I thought I should Something told me not to go Cold hand reached out And welcome back everybody to the perfect brainstorm. I am Houston Bodley. I'm Brian Perry. And I'm Jake Bush. Whew. Sorry. I... Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Bring in some big energy right. here, Jake. You just right. flew in on a broomstick or something. That's going to sound a lot better to you guys when you actually edit it together because basically what happened is right when Houston was like, okay, let's start this off. I went, crap, I, I want a soda right now. So I ran to the kitchen <laughs> and I opened this fridge and you were already into it. And I was about halfway back from the kitchen when it was my turn to say it. So I just started <laughs> shouting it to my microphone and got here. I, I thought you were trying so. to do like a Whitney Houston thing. <laughs> <laughs> you guys um, legitimately the inflection that it had to it. I had um, my... Yeah, I had my headset on, so I was hearing you guys talk, but I wasn't near my <laughs> microphone, so I had to run back to it. Um, the That's other thought awesome. I had was that you sounded like like in the time machine when he comes back at the end and he's like, oh, I'm back, I'm back. And everyone's like, uh, you were only gone for like five minutes. And he's like, what? That's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah, and I also just time tipped over my maybe microphone. Maybe time travel will help us out in this episode. Who knows? Yeah. Um, maybe we are talking to Jake Bush from the future. Maybe he's Ooh. just playing it chill right now. That could be I don't true. Know. Jake, do you have any good advice for us, <laughs> present people, about the future? Listen to Tom DeLong. <laughs> he <laughs> is our only hope for the salvation of our humanity. Our only hope against the, the invaders of the galaxy. Exactly. Tom Bringing in Tom Long surprisingly early this episode. Take it from someone who's seen the future. He is all we have to depend on. <laughs> now, question. Does he become the president? Does he become like one of those all-powerful warriors who knows the dangers of getting into politics and so he's just the reluctant hero? Or is he just like the fumbling idiot who just happens to save the day well you know like a homer simpson you know the uh you know the the guy on independence day starring will smith who's just like that farmer who like drives his oh that's independence day the one with will smith (laughs) what other independence day are you thinking of the holiday Uh, he's not the anything like that guy. Starring Will Smith. It, it usually doesn't this start. Fourth him, of July. Unless you're his family. Will Smith. Um, um anyway, yeah, he's not anything like that guy. He's a lot more like uh Will Smith. I just decided. <laughs> okay. He's Tom cool Long and very he's, much he's, like Will he's Smith. Cool and he saves the world. Um, can I guess what's gonna be a big success in the future though? Yes. Jack Johnson's chill zone. Am I right? Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I have seen I mean it got a little bit stale around season 23, but uh, <laughs> much like the it. Simpsons. Yeah, they they picked it back up. I interfered and I said, hey, it's me. I'm from the past. I created this show on a podcast and nobody believed Wait, me. But so did still... you travel to the future or did you just naturally move towards the future? <laughs> <laughs> what? Whoa, <laughs> guys, what if time Which one are you? sufficiently what? unsuspecting pace? You traveled towards the future. Yeah. I, I, I traveled at normal time and then I just came back. 
So do you so, normally just say, hey, I'm from the past? Because we all are from the past in that sense. Whoa, Whoa I'm from the past. <laughs> Man, none of us are stoned right now, and we are coming up with some really good like stoner I, thoughts. I did watch Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey last night, so I'm I'm feeling a little bit of uh, sort of the vibe of that. You're getting you're getting a little Kiana by osmosis. Yeah, exactly. I'm just I'm just gonna start introducing myself that way. I'm Jake Bush. I'm from the past. <laughs> And here I am in the present, and I'm moving toward the future. <laughs> um, so your audio cut out on me, and so all I Same. heard is, I'm going to start introducing myself as, here I am, and then there was a big long break, and then, <laughs> okay, yeah, and I'm back. I just cut out. I just, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> here I am, and I'm back. Sorry, I jumped through time again. I got distracted, and Whoa. I jumped through time again. Okay, well... Enough time travel talk. We might return back to it later. But let's get to the real crux of this episode. What is that um, ding dong topic? Uh, I'm glad you asked. Because off of the heels of the great success that will be Jack Johnson's Chill Zone, today we are going to talk about the new hit series, Green Day's Great Day. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, what? Oh look, it's another uneditable episode. Yeah. <laughs> Houston made it really no, difficult to edit We're that last episode. We're not doing another musical episode. Um, what we are doing is create your own RPG. And by create your own, I mean create my RPG. Uh, classic monsters. It's Halloween season, folks. Uh, it's time to get out your Frankenstein masks and your mummy bandages and dress up and go trick-or-treating. But what if you're too old for trick-or-treating? What if you like dice? I don't know why that would be the follow-up <laughs> question. Like dice, you weirdo. But if if you fall into a yes for both of those, then it's time we create an RPG for you. Also, you need to like monsters. That's the third qualifier for this. Um, <laughs> are you going? Are you going trick or treating this year? No, I like dice. <laughs> And monsters, um, but not trick. And I realized that my first question was supposed to be a no, but I said yes. So <laughs> that's a new caveat that we have to add to this. It's an RPG that you can play while trick or treating. Ooh, that's a great idea. That may Whoa. that may spur some some thoughts. Wait, 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 wait. Isn't trick or treating in and of itself an RPG? Whoa, whoa! <laughs> oh my god! Kind of. I actually really like the idea of making the trick or treating RPG, but I feel like I can't say that yet because we're about to introduce our guest. And it's not going to make any sense if we're already talking about ideas before that. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> we'll come back to this. You know what I could use? Um, what you know what I could use right now, Brian? Or you? You tell me what? You know what, you know I, what could I could use right you know now, I Brian? Could, you know what I could use right now? A Tom DeLonge fact. <laughs> and is, okay. is that where we cut it in? Then sure, right there. <laughs> I think the sense. only so way I'm we're leaving gonna... that unedited. It's just yeah. gonna it's just gonna sequence just like this. No, I think that's good. It, that'll be the honestly the most natural way it could have gone. Crossfade, <laughs> crossfade, Brian saying a Tom DeLonge fact. Crossfade the two versions together into one. Perfect. And so basically, like, how I'm up. gonna edit this is I need a Tom DeLonge. <laughs> yeah, like the, the sound when you're like fact. getting sucked into a portal or something. Okay, let's shut up and let's go to our So now we, we need to wait 40 minutes so that it lines up. <laughs> <laughs> we need to sit here in silence for 40 minutes so you can insert it right in the middle. Should we... I'm going to, like, clap a bunch. And you'll be able to tell that on the recording really easily. 
claps that really like, do look like, very distinct help at all if we just on the wave form. claps. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to leave this part unedited. No! <laughs> <laughs> okay, cut to now. You know what I could use right now? What's that, Brian? A Tom DeLonge fact. Before we get into our uh, into our RPG, we've got a special guest to bring us a, a Halloween-related Tom DeLonge fact. Uh, take us away, guest, Andrew J. Young. Hi, that's me. Uh, I am Andrew J. Young, and I do have uh, not one, but two uh, oh, spooky wow. Tom DeLonge facts. One of them's barely a fact. Did you know? <laughs> Wait, does, does that mean it's not true, or does it mean that it's it's not substantial? It's not substantial. Oh, okay. <laughs> I could, as long as you've got one good one. Hey, hang on, because I also I, we could I could mix them up off the cuff. If you want fake Tom DeLonge facts, that's a different that's a different service <laughs> I can DeLong provide. Factoids. Also, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's start with the truth and see what where it takes us. We haven't All even right. started this, and this is already my favorite segment we've ever introduced to this <laughs> podcast. Is random Tom DeLonge facts from guests? Andrew, you're a keeper. Let's <laughs> let's hear what you have to say. Uh, well, Tom DeLonge, in the spirit of of the spooky season, I'm sure. Uh, owns a Bucati monster motorcycle, Ooh. Ooh. Uh, among others. It appears to be his favorite, and uh, um, that's the barely effect because it's technically true, but it's not interesting. <laughs> okay. um, it's not a fun fact. It's, it's fact. just. A it's fact. not a fun fact. It is just a fact. A, a fun fact. There is someone fact. out there who is really into those kind of dirt bikes, motorcycles, whatever you said. He and they're just freaking out right now, but they can bond <laughs> oh with Tom along over that. The slim, razor-thin crossover of motorcycle enthusiasts and Tom DeLonge fans. <laughs> oh, look, it's Jake Bush right in that sliver. <laughs> Podcast listeners slash Tom DeLonge fans slash motorcycle yeah. enthusiasts. All yeah. two of you out there, we're glad to have you. And we have one of them on this podcast. Yeah, right? I, was say, I actually do know what a Ducati Monster is, and they are cool motorcycles, so. See there, I think I even used the wrong brand name. Oh, wait. <laughs> I, I thought you said uh, Bugatti, and I was like, I didn't know they made motorcycles. Uh, yeah. I th- oh, it didn't, it didn't register with me what you said, so I wasn't, I wasn't uh, intentionally trying to correct you. <laughs> Motorcycle expert. No, listen, that's, that, that's your field of expertise. Uh, my field of expertise is this other Tom DeLong fun fact. This one is genuinely a little bit fun. Um. So the, he played, he had a bit role in the campy horror comedy Idle Hands, uh, which starred, which, uh, starred uh, Jessica Alba and uh, also included Seth Green. It's a movie oh. about a kid who gets, his hands get possessed by a demon and then he turns his, kills his friends and turns them into zombies. What? And apparently Tom DeLonge was a fast food, like, window, like, person in this movie. Like, served them. Yeah. Uh. I can't say that I would recommend the movie, um, but if you could look up the clip of Tom, you could probably find the clip of Tom DeLong like in the in the drive through <laughs> window or whatever, and, and enjoy yourself if you're a big Tom DeLong. I'm like, oh, I know that guy. I am. When a Tom you DeLong. first said, I'm happy until I see that clip. <laughs> when you first said that there was a movie called Idle Hands, I don't know why, but the first uh, image I had coming to mind is uh, an episode of American Idol where there was this lady who was singing and she was kind of doing jazz hands during her song. And that's all I could think of from there on out. So I mean, that's another interpretation of idle hands. Yeah. My new, like the new way I envision Tom DeLonge now is him singing with jazz hands all the time. Every Blink-182 song now, he has jazz Jazz hands hands. going. Blink-180, 10 and (laughs) 2. Isn't that just the safe driving rule? Yeah. Um, it's the jazz hands as well. <laughs> it relates to jazz hands, apparently. 
Sure. Yeah. I, I always thought so I always thought ten and two were related to like both hands, like two hands, ten fingers, and not the clock positions. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Whoa. To show my, yeah. Yeah, my driving my driving education was uh, as bad as my motorcycle education. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe we can jump into a in, into a topic where you are uh, even more of an expert than than Tom DeLonge's jazz hands and uh, <laughs> and campy horror movie. Um, so for our topic this week, we are doing a uh, a classic monster, universal monster RPG, and you've made a few RPGs. Do you want to tell uh, us I about ha- uh, everything you've done, all the cool stuff? Uh, I have uh, made a few RPGs, and I would love to talk about them. Um, the only reason possible that you if you're listening to this you might have heard of me before this uh is that i was the designer of the uh the cult classic micro rpg <laughs> for sherlock holmes and a vampire who is also one of the aforementioned sherlock holmes which is the um, best title for anything ever created in this world or any other world <laughs> thank you justin mcelroy thank you to justin mcelroy for just talking without thinking about what he was saying and uh and and giving the world this great idea, um, and I thought I I have to do that. I can I can make that into an RPG. <laughs> um, uh, I also uh, wrote um, a game called Build Your Own RPG, um, which you you design the game you're going to play before you play it. Like it generates the setting, the kind of characters you're playing, um, the mechanics you're going to be using, and uh, what's another great one that people might be interested in? Um, um tentacular spectacular that's a little halloween themed uh you play basically um underlings of a cthulhu style uh eldritch horror and uh the the mechanics are like you're drawing um part of the mechanics is you're drawing tentacles and like terrible things on your character sheet like you have to start with a character portrait and as you use your powers you're like drawing more tentacles on yourself and giving yourself like extra mouths or whatever kind of horrible (laughs) thing you're doing uh, and then the whole table is working on a, a gospel for your eldritch uh, horror that you work for. Okay. Um, so it has dice too, but that's the sort of interesting thing is like at the end of the game, you're going to have a, a nonsense, a page with full of like nonsense uh, words and numbers. And you're each going to have a portrait of your character um, coded in tentacles and, and I don't know what eye stalks, whatever you might okay. envision adding. We might have to do that instead of uh, Houston explaining the rules to Call of Cthulhu for uh, three hours. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Call of Cthulhu. It's Eldritch Horror. What is it? Eldritch Horror, yeah. Sorry, we have this board game cafe that's down the road from us, and we've gone there, and the Eldritch Horror game, it has just, like, this 20-page set of rules. and neither oh, of us, yeah. And neither of us, like, can devote more than, like, three pages worth of attention to reading rules. But everything <laughs> it has, like, the same name. Everything has the same description. It, like, tells you what to do. And then five pages later, it'll tell you how to actually do that. And so yeah. we've tried, like, three times to play this game. And we always give up after the first turn because we're just so baffled as to what to do. Yours sounds we'll a lot more play. straightforward and yeah. fun. It's a lot more accessible. I'll say it's only it's only like one page, so uh, you you only have to read the one page. You never have to get to page two and get frustrated or page four. <laughs> um, but uh, so if you're talking about game design in general, um, that's my sort of area is micro RPGs. Um, so less than a dozen pages, um, or like a generally a one shot for those who maybe not who might not be as familiar with the term micro RPG. I know I have a lot of friends who hear one shot and they're like, yes, that is my jam. That's what I want to go play. I don't have, like, I don't really care to invest in a 
uh, character for 20 sessions or whatever. I just want to jump into the action and keep the mechanics of an RPG, but without having to devote huge amounts of time to one storyline, which I think yeah, is perfect. your strength. Uh, well, thank you. Um, but yes, yeah, that, that is, that is the gist of it is, yeah, generally designed for one play session. Um, and then if you come back and play it again later, it's going to be a, a different take on the same kind of thing, right? Honey heist. Um, you're always going to be right. playing bears and you're always going to be stealing honey. And the, the story might differ as, you know, how successful are you? What, where are you stealing the honey? Who's going to stop you? What kind of bears are you? But the premise is always you're a bear, you're stealing honey or you're for Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> one or more of you is probably a vampire and you're going to one up each other and find clues and, and solve this mystery. So, so one thought I had, so I, I just re-listened to the episode where they, where they played the, the, so to tell the story really quickly, they, they pitched this as an idea, sort of as a joke. You actually made it and then they yes. took it and actually played it as an episode. Um, I just listened to the episode and like, I, it's kind of a saying in D and D that there's no wrong way to play D and D or like an RP, a tabletop RPG, but did they play it wrong? Did they play your game wrong? They played I it. I kind of wonder. Uh, no, they played it the best they could possibly play it. Um, okay. I think the only the only quibble I would have the only quibble I could possibly have um, is that uh, tra- uh, if you've heard the episode, Travis at at the climax of the episode uh, of the story uh, is following the rules. You're supposed to once a vampire has been revealed, you're supposed to not like you're supposed to declare like this person is the vampire. They confirm or deny. And if they confirm, that's then the vampire is immediately beholden to say and here's how we solve the crime uh, and uh, uh travis knew the rule but the other other the other boys were like well hang on a second i want to talk more about this vampire thing <laughs> yeah, yeah um but i think it made for i think it made for better audio uh so i can't say that i blame them yeah okay well I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that for straight from the mouth of the creator um to hear my boys justified <laughs> um so 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 now we enter into the world of now we want to we want to try and enter this realm of of creating our own rpg houston loves these monsters i sure do it's all he talks about and i mean where where do we start where do you start i mean we have the theme well maybe process maybe to like expand on that question where this idea came from is we are going about this with the approach of we have a particular theme in mind. And as a creative challenge, we wanted to combine this theme, which is Universal Monsters, Dracula, Frankenstein, Werewolf, all that, and combine it with something else that we love, which is RPGs. Is that like is that a good way to start an RPG or should there be some other approach to it? Like what has worked for you or what have you seen that's kind of been successful? That is absolutely a very good way to start designing an RPG. It's to say, this would be really fun. I really like this thing. And then, you know, open a blank document, grab your notepad, start recording, whatever you need, whatever your method is, and just start getting the ideas out there. So Universal Monsters, right? You know, you've got a list, the Swamp Thing. You know, you already mentioned the big three, but yeah, Swamp Thing, the Mummy, uh, the Blob sometimes is lumped in there, depending. Like, you find your whole list of monsters, um, and then you decide, okay, now I know one aspect of them, I think it's going to be about these monsters. Um, I think the next thing, uh, and you don't necessarily have to do these in order. The, the big three things you need to sort of establish are, um, what is my RPG about? In this case, universal monsters. Um, how does, how do people play it? Um, which is basically are literally, what are they doing at the table? What is the mechanic that they're engaging with? Um, what are they in D and D it's, 
you look at your, you pick things off your character sheet, you roll dice, you talk to the dungeon master, and they give you feedback on the situation. Sometimes you don't roll dice, sometimes you roll lots of dice. Um, but the, inter- the, the interaction is you decide what your character is doing, you engage a mechanic from your character sheet, and and the, the, the game master will, will give you feedback on what happens. Um, and the third thing is, what's like, what do you want your players to feel like what is what do you want people to get out of this um and that can be extremely complicated like there are some really amazing um and for my and micro rpgs like there's some really amazing short rpgs out there that are like have emotional depth or that tackle like incredibly you know complicated topics um and then there are ones that like you know for Sherlock Holmes and a vampire it's just it's your my goal is if you're playing that I want you to be laughing if not the entire time at least in between gasping out clues that you're finding yeah I mean so, I would describe it as a it's sort of sort of a party tabletop RPG as opposed to maybe a you know more serious you know yeah exactly it's the you know exactly you've got you've got board games like checkers and chess and settlers of a ton and then you've got apples to apples right where it's just like yeah. you want people to be shouting and, and laughing and making jokes it's kind of the whole time that's your game is just a uh it act, that guy's apples to apples is really just a stepping stone to get people yeah. to tell jokes and and crack wise so um, going back to no go ahead oh yeah i was just gonna say, jump back into yeah the universal monsters like what what do you what kind of game do you all want to make so let's skip the mechanics and, and come back to those later okay well, do you want like a goofy game? Do you want a really serious game? Do you want like a scary game? Do you want it to just be so you know? kind of what I had in mind, but I'm willing to let other people persuade me otherwise is kind of how I imagine it is our classes that we would be making would be the monsters. So we are playing as the monsters and it's kind of this like survival in the sense of we want to uh, maybe like fight off the scarier monsters, but also like try to make peace with the villagers sort of thing. So like there's this idea of like you have to integrate with society and the regular people are your horror that you're dealing with as opposed to you're the regular person being scared of monsters. Um, so it kind of sounds like a deception mechanic as well. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but deception in the sense of like, you're tr- you're trying to persuade people that you're not a monster, even though you are, and not just like, oh, I'm going to cheat you and or rob you or whatever. Well, but trust me in Rick- the meantime. Well, Wreck-It Ralph says just because you're a bad guy doesn't mean you're a bad guy, <laughs> that- right? Just because you're a monster doesn't mean you're a monster. Like you know, you could be a friendly, you know, Frankenstein's monster. You can be a it can be a helpful Wolfman. Uh, and, and this is the part that sounds fun to me is fleshing out the character a little bit more. That could be part of the game, right? Like that's how, um, that's how the four Sherlock Holmes, uh, works. That a lot of the game is just, de- just determining who your character is and why they are the way they are and, and how that's going to play into the game. Right. Yeah. And you can actually, you can sort of make that character building that sort of character. That can be part of like the mechanics of the game and in four Sherlock Holmes, it's the setup for the game. Who is your Sherlock yeah. Holmes? And then, you know, you find out whether you're a vampire or not and what your sort of weird vampire-like traits are. Um, but you could have your whole game or, you know, a big chunk of your game be about like, okay, as you're playing, you're revealing new things about your character, whether you're deciding them in the moment. It's like, okay, actually, it turns out I'm a vegetarian. And so I'm not, I can't, you know, this is the reason I'm going to give the villagers, <clears throat> this is the reason I'm going to give the villagers not to be scared of me or this gives me a new, I'm going to, you know, take this trait and give myself a new power to match it or something well and to go along with the four Sherlock Holmes and a vampire that 
idea I like is that there's some sort of flaw or like some sort of giveaway that you are a monster that you succumb to. Like one of the things I love about D&D, for example, is like it's fun to make your character as powerful as possible. But I think it's more interesting when you have a character who kind of shoots themselves in the foot often. Like Mm -hmm. it's a barbarian who can't help but rush into a situation and cause chaos for everyone. I like like this. bard. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, the barbarian who can't rush. You said that. I was going to say the bard that isn't really helpful, but, you know, friendly. Yeah. And, and good at getting yeah. the whole gang into trouble. Exactly. So I like the idea that, yes, you are these powerful monsters, but you just have something that gets in the way. Like, you're a vampire and cool. You want to be friends with everyone. But sometimes you just can't help but, like, take a little bite at them. Or if you're the mummy, like, maybe you're talking to someone and before you realize it, you're strangling them. And you have to, like, make a wisdom save to stop or whatever. <laughs> I, I I like the flaw system involved with this. And so it is like kind of a scary, like you're under a tense situation to try and succeed. But I think tense situations bring out a lot of laughter. And that's also what I think would be very helpful with making this an accessible game. That's true. And I think you said the word succeed there. And I think actually um, there's a there's a better way to frame that. You know, it, it's. Instead of thinking about, or a different way, I'll say, instead of thinking about it as, oh, I failed my, you know, my, my monster res- restraint check, and now I'm going to have to strangle this person and we'll see what happens. It can be just a thing that happens. It's like, oh, yeah, sometimes I'm going to, I built up six points and like I have to, I have to dispose of some of these, oh, you know, okay. rage points or whatever, whatever monster points. And I'm, in order to do that, I'm going to strangle this person and that's worth, you know, X number of points. And it's a decision you make, or it can even be a random event. Like anytime somebody rolls a six, if you've got dice, anytime somebody okay. rolls a six, okay. you know, they have to engage in some monster thing. And so um, I think it's it's important to think like not just about the binary, but about like if this is something you want people to enjoy, don't make it the f- – don't think about what you're saying if you make it the failure mechanic, right? If you uh, – um, Powered by the Apocalypse games, they, they have the succeed with – a cost or whatever the middle yeah, the success route success, that, that yeah. is kind of what they want people to get. So, and even if they fail, they're still trying. I think this says something about like, you still have to change the story. You have to like, it has to advance. Something has to happen that changes the situation. You can't just fail and then have the situations remain static. Um, I think the gist of that there is they really don't want people to fail. They want, if the character takes an action, they want the world to change. Yeah. Um, and so failure is the way that they, they phrase it in that game, but really it's just like, you're not, you're never failing to do something. You're never failing to affect the world. Um, so, so stay I, away I think, from the idea of failure in general, um, See, seeing failure as just an opportunity for, for something new to happen or embrace yeah. the failure is or, what yeah, you might just put be, it. just be conscious of it. Yeah. I think, I think, I think a trick with designing our uh, designing an RPG, especially if you're designing your first RPG, is to think about what you know, which in a lot of people's cases is is a D&D or Pathfinder, right? You, yeah. you have a die, you roll it, you add a number to it, and you're checking it against some other number. Um, and then if you succeed or fail, it's a binary. And even with Powered by the Apocalypse, right, it's it's not a binary, but there's still success, there's still failure, you're still rolling dice and adding to it. Um, you can do, there are there are dice in For Sherlock Holmes and a Vampire, but they're not any kind of metric of success or failure. Yeah, they're just they're telling you about table, the world. Yeah. Exactly. The dice don't, the dice don't affect what you do or how you react by 
any stretch of the imagination are literally just saying, here's a thing in the world that exists. Now you tell me what happens. You you talk about yeah. how you felt and what happened, what you did. The fact that there um, were bananas and chalk dust. You know, why did that Exactly. Yeah. Why, yeah, exactly. <laughs> more, there's more. Yeah. I, can't, I don't want to spoil anything. That, that episode yeah. is so good. Uh, um, um, and again, dice even aren't even your only option. Um, a lot of this is this is one of the more well-known but still indie RPGs called Jenga. Or gosh darn it! Called, is it Dread? <laughs> called Dread that uses Jenga oh, blocks. I, I love wow. Dread. Meaning to play them. Uh, yeah, and and it's it doesn't use dice. It doesn't use cards. Um, it's it's got a it's not a micro RPG. It's a, it's a pretty lengthy um, system. But the gist of it is, you're pulling these Jenga blocks whenever you take an action or whenever you're prompted to do it. Like that's the mechanical interaction you're having. There are no dice to roll. There are no, um, you know, you're not you're not pulling poker cards out of a deck. Um, I think I think we're gonna set a goal of making our own mechanic. I want a mechanic that no one's ever seen before. That's a perfect brainstorm idea. I think we're gonna shoot for something even wilder than Jenga. There are I, I, here's here's what I will say. <laughs> shoot for shoot for something that that you've never thought of before. Okay. Um, <laughs> because a fair warning. Um, there's an event called the 200 word RPG challenge that goes on. It's been, uh, this is, I think it's fourth year or fifth year running. Um, and it's designed for people to write 200 word micro RPGs. And there are like last year, there were like a thousand submissions wow. this year. There's probably going to be as many, if not more. And there have been some extremely wild mechanics. Um, <laughs> there's a, a game I read where you put a, you write things on a paper towel and then put an ice cube on the middle of the paper towel towel. And as the ice melts and the water reaches the things you written on the paper towel, that's the mechanical interaction. Like when the water reaches this word, it like it erases that thing from time or whatever. It's a great game. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it could be tricky to think of something that no one has ever thought of before yeah. because it's hard to find out what everyone has thought of because there's just so much material out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, stay away from like, yeah, if you really want to go wild, Stay away from existing game materials, dice, dominoes, to- uh, tarot cards, tokens. Throw all that out the throw the, all that in the garbage can. Look around and think, what's a thing that we could use to stimulate the play more? Um, it sounds like, and to be more specific, it sounds like part of this game that you want is to have social interactions on a regular basis. Like maybe you're fighting bigger monsters, you know, like real real monstery threats. But it sounds like at least you're gonna you want to have interactions with villagers. You want to be talking to regular non-monster people and forcing yourselves to have interactions with them. Yes. Like think about what is a mechanic that supports that. Because that's if you're making your own mechanic, if you're writing your own game, you can do that. You don't have to say, well, I just need a randomizer. Like you can have a mechanic yeah. that supports your RPG. This thing with the ice cube melting, like it the idea was that things were being erased from time. Right, so the water literally blurs the words you've written and sort of melts them away. So, what, um, so what you might be suggesting, and maybe this is me going too extreme with the idea, but maybe for our RPG, we just run out and talk to random people, pretending we're monsters and seeing how they interact with us. <laughs> and if they interact and normally, then we yeah. succeeded. <laughs> I, you could definitely do that. That sounds like more of a. That sounds like definitely a LARP, um, which isn't my <laughs> yeah. isn't my area of game design expertise. Yeah. But there are people designing tons of LARPs out there too. Yeah, it's it's. Think about the thing that that best represents the best represents what you want people to feel when they're playing it. A lot of times, that's best represented by what is actually happening. If you want people to make sacrifices, give them lots of things to have, lots of points and tokens and dice, and then make them give them up. 
right? If you want, if their characters are making sacrifices, have them make sacrifices too. Um, so they feel what their characters feeling to the extent that, you know, they're not, they're not, you know, jettisoning, jettisoning their, uh, you know, teammate into the dark of space, but they did have to give up that D20, which is, you know, a very powerful tool. Now they're just down to three D6s and a D4 or whatever. That's awesome. Wow, we've got a lot, to, we've got a lot of <laughs> options here. A lot to think about. Um, <laughs> a lot to consider. Before we, uh, before we let you go and uh, before we dive into the, into the real nitty gritty of the details, is, is there anything else we should watch out for? Any, uh, any advice um, or any pitfalls? Um, uh, so we've already talked about, you know, don't, don't attach yourself to the stuff you're familiar with. Don't think, don't think dice are the only way to go and you have to roll against a certain number and add things. Um, don't feel compelled to, um, you know, get stuck, hung up on, on not only hung up on failure, but hung up on the idea of regular things you always have to have in an RPG. Um, you can mm-hmm. have an RPG that's just about you interacting with the villagers. Like that could be the whole RPG with monsters. You don't even have to be fighting monsters. Maybe it's just, you're trying to get by in your day to day life or, it's it's you know October thirty first and you just want to make it to November first. It just survive <laughs> one day as a as a universal <laughs> okay. monster mash monster, and if you get to the end of the night, you know tracking hours or doing checks or whatever, then you've done the success. Great, you have a big party on on November first or whatever. Um, I think the biggest pitfall is to just really get too attached to any one thing. Um, if you're making a micro RPG, which a premise like this, uh. You could certainly do a full scale, like 100 page booklet or even like a 30 page book, but you probably want to start with something smaller if it's your first time. Um, don't get attached to anything. If, if you don't like it, if it, if you start playing with it, and you're like, oh, this actually, no one's ever going to choose option B. They're always going to choose A. Get rid of option B, put in, a, put in another file, put in another document, save it for another time, come back to it later when you find another place that where it fits. Um, so if, the thing you want most of all is, is monsters. Focus on that. Everything should be feeding into what I want the players to feel like they're being, you know, these classic movie monsters. I don't want them to feel like they're interacting with these villagers, that they're, they're trying to just live their lives or, or survive the next day or whatever. You guys want to know, uh, awesome advice. Do you guys want to know what, um, I keep picturing when you guys are talking about different classic monsters and interacting with villagers, the 1998 hit Disney channel, original movie, Halloween town. Down. Okay, I literally watched that last night. Really? So, uh, yeah, it's a great movie. Anyway, Maybe not this to, is how to make any RPG. Not to make any That's decisions. I just had to throw out that little bit because I've been learning so much from you guys, and I don't have much to contribute to this topic yet. So I've been pretty quiet, but I wanted to throw out something about Disney Channel original movies. So there you go. Perfect. Um, well, thank you, Andrew. Um, you want to let people know where they can find you so they can check out your stuff. Uh, yeah, sure I do. Um, if you're looking for my games, things like uh, uh, Four Shot Comes on a Vampire, te- Tentacular Spectacular, uh, Tank Robbery, a hack of mine that I did of uh, Honey Heist, Build Your Own RPG, all those things and more are at um, bit.ly, uh, sorry, uh, are at bit.ly slash micro RPG, all lowercase, M-I-C-R-O-R-P-G. Um, and that'll take you to my website, and it's got links to everything there. Um, you can also go to nowsayers.com, like uh, nowsayer, S-A-Y-E-R-S.com. Uh, that's the website for the show that I'm on uh, every week. We stream on Monday evenings. Um, it's goofy. We played D&D for a long time. Now we're playing a game that one of our cast members uh, created themselves, and uh, it's a lot of fun. 
Um, you can get to the podcast we have there too, Lawful and Orderly. You can search for it there. You can search for it on your podcatcher. Um, it's it's a mess. It's goofy. But if you're listening to this show, you you probably dig it. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it, it can't get any worse than what we do here day in and yeah. day out. If you're, a, <laughs> if you're a host on this show, you'll also probably dig that stuff. So, uh, so we'll be, <laughs> we'll be digging more into your stuff. So, yeah, thank you so much for helping us uh, helping us out. We'll uh, we'll let you know how it goes. Sure. Uh, yeah. And if you if anybody else has questions or wants to talk about this stuff, uh, I'm on Twitter at that one GM uh, one spelled out. So feel free to hit me up, ask questions, um, point out typos you find in my games, whatever, whatever <laughs> floats your boat. I'm there. I'm open. This has been a real okay. treat. Thank you for joining us, Andrew. Thank we you for the Tom DeLonge facts. We appreciate it as well. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'll look forward to hearing more Tom DeLonge facts from all future guests until you <laughs> run out. In which case, you set a dangerous yeah. precedent for us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, luckily, you also set the precedent that we can we can use fake facts. So as soon as we run out of real things to say about him, we'll just start making stuff up. So perfect. That's perfect. Great. See you later. Thanks, Bye. Andrew. Bye. Wow, that sure okay. was a helpful interview with an expert on the topic. Seriously. It's like it happened yesterday. It was. Nope. I, I don't have a joke for that one. <laughs> okay, it's like so, it happened yeah, just yesterday. We recorded the interview separately, um, which you, if you couldn't you did, guess by earlier, in you the definitely didn't guess that until we got to this point. Um, so thanks again to uh, Andrew J. Young, uh, that one GM, uh, for for helping us out. Uh, and let's take all that great advice he gave us and sort of use it to our advantage to make some money selling this amazing RPG. Crap, I didn't take notes. Did you guys take notes? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I was too nervous. I I took I just wanted three to sound notes. cool. I wanted to sound cool for Andrew. I took 3 notes and then I got whisked away in his delightful fantasy of words and I kind of stopped paying attention to what I was typing and just listening to him. But yeah. the problem is that was all yesterday. So now I'm just trying to scavenge for the notes that I have. And what I took out of it is what experience are you trying to have? And then something about toilet paper. So <laughs> okay, something about toilet based paper, off yeah. of that. I think we ought to just throw out the disclaimer that if we directly contradict advice that you gave us, Andrew, we're sorry. Our memory does not last more than 24 hours. If only that interview had been recorded somehow. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Let's be clear. Like the interview was a bonus that we were giving to our listeners to get real advice and a real insight to the creative process. Now we get back to like the the bad advice. Now we snap back to reality featuring Eminem. I'm going to try and say that in every episode now. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Okay. Um, so actually, here's the three main things I wanted to focus on that I really liked from the takeaway with the interview. Uh, are you clapping at me? No. Someone clapped at me. <gasps> it's, a, it's a podcast ghost. <laughs> Spooky wait, times. Wait, wait, no, hold on. Episode. I have, there's a clap on my waveform where you said there was a clap, but I didn't clap. <laughs> are you serious That's, right now, Brian? I, I am 100% sure that I have seen a ghost. What? Oh. Anyway. Anyway. Guys, we're a mess when we don't have a guest on this episode. <laughs> I know. We were so like <laughs> well organized and proper. We, we literally and, like, have a guest on this episode. We're, it's the same episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's make this darn game. <laughs> 
Um, anyways, here's the three things I took away. What is the experience you're trying to have? Uh, actually, no. Two things I took away. Experience you're trying to have and fun mechanic. And then the thing that I wanted to also throw in that we forgot to ask Andrew. And so we might screw this up. We'll trademark this as like our own like spicy crap that we're throwing into the mix. And that's, I want to discuss fun stats that we'll be using for our characters in the RPG. Nice. Um, And then hopefully we'll try and avoid all the pitfalls that Andrew told us about, make sure we're having a fun experience with it, making the most of it. Uh, Where do you guys want to start? We, Jake, you insightfully brought up Halloween town. Yes. I know nothing about Halloween town. I well, watched Halloween Town so that's where I days ago. It's this town where every day <laughs> is Halloween. And so it's, it's very similar to the concept of Halloween Town in Nightmare Before Christmas, except they're except it's a Disney Channel original movie, basically. Right. It's a action. low budget. And like, I imagine not starring Jack Skellington. No. No. Starring Debbie Reynolds. No. Okay. <laughs> so um, is Debbie Reynolds a playable character in our RPG? Always. Or a, a non-playable <laughs> character. Or is Debbie Reynolds a race or a class? <laughs> what class are you? I'm Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> Debbie Reynolds class. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Oh, this is stupid. Um, <laughs> can, we, um, can we start a podcast and one of a, all of us be a Debbie Reynolds? Or at least one of us? It's for Debbie or Reynolds can- and a vampire. <laughs> 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 well, that'd be like the perfect like inspiration of all the things that we're that this podcast is are about. Is I about. think that's the lesson we were we were really supposed to learn from Andrew Young. They <laughs> make a game called Four Blinks and a Vampire. All right, I'm throwing um, out the challenge, if Andrew. If you make well, Four Debbie Reynolds and a Vampire, we will play it on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Can I do you one better? Uh, what if we did Four Debbie Reynolds are a vampire, and there's a regular vampire that's not what? Debbie Reynolds. Okay, this is nothing. Um, <laughs> okay, continue. But having said that, I'm going to be Debbie Reynolds from Singing in the Rain. Okay. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to be Debbie Reynolds from Onset of Star Wars, watching her daughter succeed. Nice. Aww. And granddaughter. And granddaughter. <laughs> What's your Debbie, Jake? Um, I feel like you're, you're just Halloween Town Debbie. Yeah, I'll just be <laughs> the regular classic um, OG Halloween Town Debbie. <laughs> The, the her most famous role yeah exactly uh let's <laughs> guys we're such this a mess is so dumb. we we've, <laughs> we've technically had like 40 minutes into this podcast it's only been like 10 minutes of recording for this session but we need to keep this time yeah we okay. that. don't we think we're gonna up. do that let's address our concept okay i i think we did develop a lot in the interview we talked about it's basically interacting with villagers right which i don't think we had developed beforehand maybe you had houston but uh, that was a new topic um, to me. it's literally it was, it was literally an idea i made up on the spot like i'd thought of it before a little bit but hadn't flushed it out wow. it was a, a thing i said on the spot and pretended that i had made up before so that i didn't sound stupid in front of andrew nice um but i do like it so let's go ahead and the premise of this game is you are a monster trying to fit into normal society and on sometimes on Halloween. Because that, that was something Andrew brought town, I liked that. Yeah. You have the whole day of the 31st of October to be a good citizen and not get arrested, not get killed. 
and maybe save the day. We'll see how far we get into it. Um, <laughs> I, I like the idea of we create our own class and we explore the game as our characters and kind of develop it as we go. So monsters. <laughs> Pick your monster. We'll just develop the class from there. Uh, I want to be a ghost. Just a classic ghost. Okay, Brian's a ghost. Because he's got... <laughs> you might say he's a clapping ghost. Whoa. Maybe it was me clapping. Maybe, maybe it was well, really me clapping all along. Maybe it was your RPG But it really wasn't. Clapping. There really is like a clap on the waveform and I didn't clap. There really is a podcast ghost and I don't want to upset it. So let's just drop it. Cool. I'm a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, what's right. your class? I want to be who? Hmm. Uh, let me see here. <clears throat> so I want to like keep it classic, but I also want it to just not be too like... Basic. I don't know. Like I don't. Yeah, I don't want it to be too basic. I don't want it to be like Frankenstein, <laughs> like a the ghost. most basic. Yeah, <laughs> Brian's already got basic covered. Yeah. Can I be Your basic white ghost? Uh, okay, you know what I want to be? I want to be a werewolf. I think that's cool because I think it's co- it could be a cool mechanic. Me like yeah, that's not basic turning turning from man to wolf like can be part of my like like I can like I can like infiltrate human society and just look like a normal person, but then I can turn into a werewolf and go crazy. Cool. Houston, what's your um, monster? So I was going to go with a werewolf before Jake even said it. But now I'm going to uh. flip it. And it's going to be a wolf wear, where Ooh. it's a wolf who in the full moon turns into a man. <laughs> it's a wolf who is lost and is asking directions. <laughs> who is lost. Uh, he can't speak. It. He just like runs around and scratches himself. But he's a man. And he has to fit in somehow. And he's just uh, trying right. to get a good steak dinner. I like that. Um, those actually are two very different things, a werewolf and a wolfware. So, cool. Where do we go from here, then? Special abilities, stats. Um, what is... Okay, what's your... I would say we each get one uh, feature that, like, works for our benefit to integrating into society, and then one obvious feature that works against it. I'll start. Okay. I think my obvious good ability that I've got going for me is I'm basically a man-dog. Like... People are going to treat I mean, you me like a physically look like a human. Yes. On the floor. But I'm just, yes. But I'm just going to be like this adorable man child who just runs around and likes to cuddle with people. But are like, we assuming everyone that knows every that... Halloween is a full moon then? I think that yes. may be, we may have to have that caveat for these. Make- I don't make think sense. you know physics, Brian, but mm-hmm. moons are full when on Halloween. Hallows are ween. <laughs> okay, good. that's what my mom always taught me perfect <laughs> when hallows are weaned please excuse my dear aunt sally <laughs> okay okay so obviously he's like a giant man puppy people think it's cute but it's also kind of creepy so like you can't like so that's go around minus. and cuddle with someone or like be doing like puppy eyes for too long because then it dawns on them after a while. Oh, this guy's lingering. He's probably like a weird stalker. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're going to get arrested. So the, the end goal yes. is to not get arrested, not get arrested or killed. Okay. So, so, so here, here's the thing. Um, like, so we're addressing right now, like the characters that we can be and their abilities and stuff. But is there like an overarching premise to the game? Like, cause if this is like a micro RPG, you know, there's like micro RPGs that have a specific setting and purpose. 
Like, is it going to be just like this massive open world storytelling thing? Or is it something like we are all trick or treating, but we're real monsters and we have to go about integrating into society for one night to get as much candy as we can. And we run into all kinds of obstacles. And I, stuff. I think that's it. I think, I think we set the scene of you were, you have to, your goal is to trick or treat. It's Halloween get night. As, get as much candy as you can without getting caught or killed. Okay. And what, it, so what about this? What if you can only play this RPG after Halloween? So it's November 1st. Okay. You have to go trick-or-treating in real life. And then the way that it works is you have to take your candy and stack it on each other, each action that you do. And so you're just okay. building on top of all of your candy. And as soon as it falls, that's when you're arrested. <sighs> candy stacks differently. Yeah, that's the challenge. <laughs> it's, it's really hard. But I, I like, yeah, I like get it now. It's like, okay, this is a game to play with your trick or treating candy. Yes, instead that's of we eating it, trick or you don't eat candy, both on a meta level for you and in a game level. No, 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 no. And then here's you... an idea. Here's an idea. You ready for this? You ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. What if, like, you add a level of intensity to the game by saying everyone has to bring their trick or treat candy and you put it in the pot. And then as you play the game, when you have different successes, you d- are divvying up and earning the candy as you go. And oh. it's this thing where you're and you're trying to steal the candy from each other as well as the houses in your, oh. the neighborhood that you're playing in. That is interesting. I also thought about what if that is just the, the rolling mechanic? That's like the randomization mechanic is drawing the candy. So you reach in. It's like, oh, I got a box of dots. That's a critical failure. <laughs> I was going to say Almond Joy, but Dots yeah, that, works too. Almond like Joy is way better, but but I'm thinking of stale Halloween Dots. Gotcha. Yeah, I like normal Dots. Yeah. But, I always but Halloween, they're always stale. Critical success. A, a natural 20 is like that rich neighbor who always gives out king-size candy bars or well, stuff like that. Yeah, so if we're going to go back to stacking, a king-size candy bar is like huge, right? You can get one king-size yeah. candy bar and put like 10 different candies on top of it before you even have to go to the third layer. I think there's too much variability in stacking. I think stacking is going to be really hard. I so let's let's just, like I I'm I think even though we don't have everything figured out, I do like this idea that like the game map is just a suburban neighborhood, right? On Halloween, yes. You yeah. are a real monster who loves ah, real candy, and yeah, exactly. And you <laughs> sneak for one night. You sneak into this real neighborhood. This suburban neighborhood to try to steal as much ah, candy. Real neighborhoods. Like, <laughs> that's the name of the game. Ah, real neighborhoods. <laughs> it's oh, like man. it's it's from the monsters perspective. So, you know, the humans would say, ah, real monsters, but it's scary to us because we are monsters and we're just like, ah, real neighborhoods. So it's kind of like an over the hedge, but we're supernatural beings. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And we're facing the dangers of suburban life. Yeah. And so, so yeah, there's like, you're like, okay, I don't know if we want to pigeonhole ourselves into like our main goal is to collect candy. I think it should just be to like wreak havoc. And we decided like as monsters that Halloween night is the perfect time to do it because we can just blend in and run yeah. around with like pillowcases. I think yes. candy is a bonus. Candy should be a bonus yeah. of some sort. It's some like a power sort of up. Buff. It's like a power up yeah. or something. Okay, so how do you earn candy? I, I'm going to put a challenge on this. We have five minutes. We're in crunch time. Let's make <laughs> okay. this RPG. You earn candy. Get it because crunch bar. Got it. Okay, go. 
every time you kill someone, you take their candy, okay? But to kill someone, you have to draw a candy to see if their candy kills you. <laughs> nope, that was nothing. How do you judge the candy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm so confused right now. No, it's just so if wait. it actually kills you, then you lose the game. <laughs> if you choke on it and die? <laughs> yeah. You eat candy until you throw up, Ooh, and then you lose. That's First a person in the bar loses. <laughs> this is an so RPG. Um, <laughs> sorry, what, what was about the... this? Okay, go ahead. Uh, I I had a lot of cranky neighbors in my neighborhood who, uh, when I was like thirteen, they would still send me away because they said I was too old to trick or treat. What if the game mechanic? is you are just LARPing at this point and you are just going trick-or-treating as a 27-year-old person and trying to go as far as you can without getting pushed away by an adult person at their house. Here's a better idea. Because uh, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Um, I've, I've figured it out, okay? You specialize either in candy obtaining or havoc wreaking, okay? okay. Love it. The more havoc you wreak, the less candy you're probably going to get, right? Or you yes. can focus on getting candy. So um, we could go similar to like a lasers and feelings type thing where you, you it's just a D6 and you have a number and, you know, a high, higher numbers represent candy and lower numbers represent havoc. Um, how do you guys feel about that? And then your class sort of impacts your modifier or whatever. What's the goal? Like... We're trying to get the most candy. You don't want the Havoc to be there. Um, the trick-or-treat master, we'll call him. The candy man. The candy the candy man. I like that one. It's a good what one if, for the DM. candy man. What the if there's an actual time mechanic? The candy master. Yes. Ooh. You have a time mechanic. You have one hour. It's like one hour to do this. That's like and such a good idea for a micro RPG. activities take certain amounts of time. What? Okay, what if you can do limited amounts of Havoc, okay? Every time you do, like, a little thing, like, steal a trick-or-treat bag or knock over a mailbox, that it adds some Havoc to your Havoc <laughs> meter, and that builds up, right? As soon as it hits yes. whatever the top is, there's some there's something that happens, right? It triggers some event, and you get a time penalty. Well, I feel like, so, are we trying to, to decide the decision-making mechanic right now? Is that what we're doing? Who knows what we're doing? because this is my thought this is my thought i don't think we really necessarily in this moment need to make a decision about like what is our objective or what is our goal or what do we do because like that's up to the dm like they they can write their own our real neighborhoods campaign and like say okay well the objective of this one is you're going to sneak into the white house and steal all of donald trump's candy like you can like the objective is irrelevant for us in this moment i feel like but let's decide how to make decisions. Like, how do you determine what happens yes. when yeah, confronted yeah, right. when confronted with an obstacle? How do you determine what happens? I I've say, okay, I've got it. I sneak into the White House window. How do we determine if I'm successful? You draw candy, and the amount of calories in that candy is the amount of havoc that you wreak. Yes. Interesting. I like it. Because you can't tell that from feeling the packaging, right? You can, you can tell from packaging, oh, this is M&M's, this is a crunch bar. But you don't know, like, most people don't have a, a very good idea. The more you play it, you maybe have a better idea of, like, okay, yeah, I probably do want to go for a bag of M&Ms in this case. Uh, well, and there's probably a rule out. that there's probably rule that you just have to, like, grab it as quickly as you can. The first thing you, you touch, can. yeah. Yeah. 
And so what we'll need to do to sell this is go and get all of the Halloween candy, find an average calorie amount. And if you are above the calorie amount, it's a failure. If you're below it, it's a success. Or that that number that you have to beat is determined by your player class. Right? So like a... a yeah, th- that's fair. A Frankenstein has so like higher a w- constitution. And so he can he can eat more calories without it hurting him right does that make sense so like oh like a werewolf because they're more wolf at this point can probably eat a lot more calories and get away without causing major havoc the wolf were cannot because he's more of a man and he gets a sugar crash but he might have some sort of luck factor where because he looks like a human as opposed to a wolf he might be able to get away from the police so, okay, Whoa. so what it is, so every every time you draw a candy that is over your threshold, there's some minor penalty, but builds to a the big ultimate penalty of being arrested. Yes. Brian. Okay. I like that. When what? you decided that you could choose one of two different routes, which was obtaining candy or wreaking havoc, did yeah. you intentionally try to make this game tricks or treats? Oh my gosh, no! <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing. How did we not realize that? It's just tricks or treats. You get to decide. It's the trick or treat RPG. Do you RPG. want to obtain candy or do you want to wreak havoc? It's tricks or treats. Oh my gosh. And you're not drawing out of a random bag that you brought to the table. You're trick or treating like we discussed at the start. And it's whatever candy you draw from the next house is what happens to your character. Love it. That's it. That's a game. That's Love what it. we do. That's a game. That's a fun LARPing RPG, celebrate the season, get spooky with it, RPG. It so does mean we, we can't play it, game. though. Are it we... does mean we can't play it because we're adults. Well, this is I for think, children. I That's think we okay. Can, we can Jack like Johnson have... will introduce it on his chill zone. Okay. We can have modified versions for adults where you don't actually have to go trick-or-treating. You just like buy a whole bunch of candy. You can buy some and, candy, like, yeah. draw from it. There's two different or, versions. Or it's the first RPG that relies on you having children because you have to go with them okay. to trick or treat. That's true. Oh man. So I got to have a child. <laughs> it's time. All right. <laughs> this is a child Babe. exclusive RPG as in you're not a child playing it, you have to have a child. <laughs> okay. Perfect. I would like to propose a name for the game. And the name is Ah Real Neighborhoods. A game I do of like Ah Real Neighborhoods. I also like Trick or Treat. Tagline Add tricks or treats as a tagline. Add real neighborhoods, a game of tricks or treats. That's pretty yes. good. That's pretty good. Yeah. That is sellable. That is. That, Let's I mean, start the Kickstarter for it, this. It is at least giveaway of the internet. Let's start the Kickstarter for this time-old tradition of trick or treating. Yeah. And well, let's just start <laughs> selling it. Here, here, here's what we'll do. We'll just upload this, this podcast to our website, and we'll just start selling the game. And and when they buy it, we just email them an MP3 of this episode. <laughs> Oh my god! When kids come to my door, I'm just gonna print out the RPG for them. Here you, go, you go, kids. Enjoy. Just give them a thumb it's drive. A treat. Give them a thumb drive with this podcast on. Here you Mom, go. I don't want to go to Brian Perry's house again. He's crazy. He just gives me paper. Paper and flash drives, which is another great RPG name. Okay, <laughs> uh, we'll get to that another day. Uh, I say we wrap this up. Let's do it. Um, Brian, do you want to tell Brian. them where they can find them on the internet? 
Yeah, I do. They're on, we're on the internet. Perfectbrainstorm.net. <laughs> did she just set yourself up to tell people <laughs> I our sure credentials? Did. I just, it's the first time I've ever remembered, but I never say it unless you say something first. So I had to set it up. Um, we're, we, our website is perfectbrainstorm.net. Um, we're on uh, Twitter at perfectbrainstorm, on Instagram at perfectbrainstorm. And check us out on Facebook or just like say hey to us in the halls of the high school. Because we're in high school in this scenario. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. We're your best high school buddy. Yeah. Brian, uh, yeah, it is Brian's turn. What's the What's theme our next week? for next week? Okay. We're still, we're going strong with Halloween. Um, when the hallows are ween, the, when we the, like to sing. We like to sing. Um, and that's why I'm pitching my, my B-movie horror movie based on the B-movie. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, here's what it actually is. There is a band called Ludo. Um I think they're a fairly big band. The, their biggest hit was um, You're Awful, I Love You, um, which is a great song. Um, I think they've kind of fallen into obscurity at this point. But I just found out um, they they do Halloween shows in their, I think, their hometown of St. Louis. And they do this whole production, right? It is, it is St. Louis because I had a roommate from St. Louis who wouldn't shut up about Ludo. Interesting. So, so they do, they do yes. a thing called How Ludoween. And I need to read you this because you won't believe it unless I, I say it in that voice where you can tell that I'm reading. Um, the, every night they do a show, but it's not just like a concert. They have like a story to it and stuff. It's a little bit like the Aquabats, so I'm very into that. Let me find this poster. I sent it to you, Jake, at one point. I'm trying to find yeah. it now. Okay, here we go. This is um, a Halloween production. It's called Rumble in Transylvania, Batman's Revenge. Um, and there's just, there's an outline of Batman as if you're looking from behind him, you see sort of his silhouette, uh, and he's looking at a big castle and it says he trashed the forest, he crashed the prom, but there's one thing Dracula didn't count on a bigger bat. And so it seems like there is somehow a, a Dracula Batman crossover that is also a Ludo concert. So like pretty wild and also like very targeted at Houston, um, because you're very into yes, classic yes, monsters indeed. and Batman. Um, it's so, like two of my favorite things. Yeah, Rumble in Transylvania, Batman's Revenge. This pa- the pageant, uh, November second in real 3D. They made it look like a movie poster, but I don't think it's a movie. It might be. It's impossible to tell. Um, but anyway, that's nothing like what we're gonna do. We're we're gonna make a <laughs> horror movie. <laughs> we're gonna make a horror movie based on a diff on one of their songs. Okay, so they're they're sort of a Halloween themed band in general. But one of their songs is called Lake Pontchartrain. Lake Pontchartrain is a real lake in the American South. And there is a song about a group of friends, Darius, Nolan, and the narrator, uh, who who go on a road trip to Lake Pontchartrain to, to, to have a fun weekend. And they don't because it turns into a horror movie. So the, the song nice. is basically written in the style of a horror movie. I want to make the, the actual horror movie based on that song. That is That is what we're going for. So it's, it's sort of a Silver gotcha. Redemption episode in that sense. We're sort of making a movie, casting it, maybe finding a director, uh, maybe getting the band on board somehow, uh, whatever. So that's the topic. All right. Sounds great. Thanks for joining us on this disastrous episode where we rebrand Trick or Treat and make you buy it from us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Special thanks again to Andrew J. Young. Uh, go check out his stuff. Uh, bit.ly slash micro RPG, all lowercase. 
Um, he's got some very fun stuff to check out. So, um, Andrew, you are... we'll, uh, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll be in touch with him and do, do some more stuff. Cause that was a lot of fun. Andrew, you are the one saving grace to anything that we could <laughs> try and pass off as a podcast episode. Yeah. Uh, anyways, join us next week as we make a horror movie based off a of obscure song. Exactly. I'm Houston Bodley. I'm Brian Perry. And I, I am Jake Bush. And like faded out with the music. And All right. Oh, let's buy this. My wife just yelled, What the hell from the other room? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. I think my wife did too, and I have you on a headset. <laughs> All right, I'm ending my recording. Darkness floods your eyes. When you need to see, don't waste your time on me. Don't waste your time on me.